The following message is brought to you by the teaching and preaching ministry of Crown Point Baptist Church and Pastor Mark Ermler. First Kings chapter number 18 this morning. I told you we were done with the series on preppers and yet we're going to take one more week and then start a new series after Resurrection Sunday next week. So I'll be preaching on that glorious theme of the resurrection this coming Sunday, the following Sunday, a brand new series of studies for our Sunday morning time. Uh, We've been looking at prepping and spiritually how God's people need to be preparing and looking at some of these Old Testament characters. And our, our message title this morning is Preparing for the Rain. Now, in the Bible, the rain really was a picture of uh, God opening up the heavens of blessing, an agricultural society, and of course, without rain, you have drought, and with drought, you don't have food, and without food, uh, a famine takes hold of society. And so rain, biblically, was a sign of, once again, the blessing of God. A drought was that really God withholding his blessing. And in 1 Kings chapter number 17, we saw last week, And Elijah the Tishpite, who was of the inhabitants of Gilead, said unto Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel liveth before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years. I want you to think about that. Not just the fact that you're not going to have rain for these three and a half years, but no dew. All right? I mean, absolutely no dew, no moisture, no wetness. And uh, we see here that, that Elijah is going to be God's instrument in really bringing a country to their knees so that they'll turn back to their God. And let me tell you, there are times in our personal life when we need God to bring us to that point where we're ready to turn back to Him. Uh, we call it repenting. And, uh, you know, repentance is something here that Christians, uh, we need to practice uh, often here as we get a little bit off course in our Christian life. And repenting is just turning around and saying, all right, God, I'm going the wrong direction. I'm desiring here to go the way that you need for me to go. And Elijah's heart was that the entire nation would repent and turn back to Almighty God. So we saw last Sunday from 1 Kings 17 uh, four principles. Uh, the, number, the first principle really had to do with Elijah's courage in being willing to take a stand in a day when so few were standing. We saw the, the, the requirement of our communion with God in making a difference. And how we can make a difference in other people's lives is really having our own cherith, a place that we can come apart and spend time with the Lord. We saw also that Elijah had a concern for the Word of God, uh, which is found in chapter 17, uh, verse uh, number 2, And the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, and verse 5, So he went and did according to the word of the Lord. Are you concerned about the word of God? Are, Are you determined here to let God's word speak? Not argue with it, recognize that it's truth and that we need to yield ourselves to this wonderful, holy book. And so we saw his courage, his communion with God, his concern, and then his complete obedience. You say, Pastor, how do I get back? Or how do I get to a place where I have influence again in my own family for God? Or my neighborhood or my workplace? Well, it's going to take some courage on your part to stand up uh, for the Lord. 
there were uh, some believers that were standing up for God in Egypt here this morning as I uh, saw the news early, and I think 37 uh, were, were, were massacred for, for the crime of wanting to go to church and be with God's people. And uh, I tell you, for us here in the United States of America, uh, we enjoy relative liberty and freedom. And uh, there's, uh, uh, there's not that kind of persecution that you find in other places in the world. And yet God calls us uh, to take a stand and to stand up for the Lord. Uh, where we have that opportunity. So this morning, as we look at preparing for rain, let's shift over to chapter 18, if you would, with me. If you have a Bible, follow along as I begin reading here just several verses uh, from chapter 18, verse 1. And it came to pass after many days that the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year, saying, Go show thyself unto Ahab, and I will send rain upon the earth. Lord, as we bow before you this morning, open up your word. I I ask God that you would allow the text here that we're studying this morning, chapter 18, to help us to be hungry, for you to open up the windows of heaven in our lives, in our family, in our neighborhood, in our church. And God, send a reviving. As the prophet of old cried out, rend the heavens. Oh God, that you would open up once again uh, the the heavens and, and bring the spiritual rain that we desperately need in our personal life as well as the life here of our nation. I thank you for each one that's gathered here this morning. Just use your word, I pray, as we study together. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Preparing for the rain. Uh, Elijah's been on quite the journey over the last three and a half years. Uh, He began just coming out of obscurity, presenting himself before Ahab. And uh, we saw in contrast to Elijah in chapter 17, verse 1, all the wickedness of the age as you go back to chapter 15 and chapter 16. And we know that one king after another was worse than the one before until we get to the man Ahab who's on the throne in the northern kingdom. And as Ahab is ruling and reigning, he has by his side a woman by the name of Jezebel. And uh, this pair together lead their nation into a godlessness that the nation had not seen up until this time. And, and that is the testimony here of uh, 1 Kings chapter number 17, verse, thir- I'm sorry, 16, verse 30. And Ahab, the son of Omri, did evil in the sight of the Lord above all that were before him. He provoked the Lord, verse 33, the Lord God of Israel, to anger more than all the kings of Israel that were before him. And so, although it was a sad commentary on a wicked society, God was still looking for individuals that he could use uh, to stand up courageously for him. So this morning, in chapter 18, number 1, if you have your notes, you can follow along, fill in some blanks if you like, but we're going to begin with the priority again of the Word of God. 
You know, whenever we're looking for making a difference in others' lives, whenever we're looking for spiritual refreshing or, or spiritually the rain to come again upon our lives, it all begins with having the priority of listening carefully to the Word of God. It's a theme that we're seeing over and over again. Chapter 17, the Word of the Lord came, and, and God said, go to Cherith. And uh, God provided some wonderful blessings there at Cherith. The provision of the ravens uh, to bring meat and the brook. Uh, the power uh, of God was, was evident every morning, every evening as he received, not, not meals on wheels, uh, but meals uh, off the wings of these ravens as they came faithfully in the morning and faithfully at night. Listen, that's the power of God. That's the power of God working on your behalf uh, using some ordinary things. And, and, and so out of the box, right? I mean, uh, who would imagine that I'd get uh, air delivery of uh, breakfast and dinner twice a day over this entire time that he has hid away at Cherith, uh, again, being protected by God, uh, receiving the provision of God, seeing on a daily basis the power of God. All of that came as a result of him doing what? He heard the word of God and he responded to the word of God. God said, get thee hence, verse 3, and uh, turn thee eastward and hide thyself by the brook Cherith, that is before Jordan. He obeyed and the blessings came. Now in chapter 18, verse 1, we see again the hearing of the word of God. And it came to pass after many days that the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year saying, go show thyself unto Ahab and I will send rain upon the earth. So the word of God was a priority when it came to Cherith. By the way, the word of God was a priority when it came to going to Zarephath and meeting with the widow there. Uh, can I tell you something? How uncomfortable was that uh, as Elijah watched the brook dry up? All right, it's a famine. There's no rain. There's no dew. And uh, as the weeks and months are rolling on, he's watching the brick, uh, the brook uh, day by day kind of shrink. All right? And this brook is, is uh, uh, being depleted here of the water that it needs. And the Bible tells us in verse 7 of chapter 17, And it came to pass after a while that the brook dried up, because there hath been no rain in the land. Now, can I tell you something? Oftentimes God allows us to be in uncomfortable situations just to get us here to have uh, uh, an ear that's tuned to God to say, Okay, God, what's next? You may be in an uncomfortable situation right now in your life. You may be by the side of a brook and it's drying up. <laughs> and you're wondering, God, uh, do you have a plan B? All right, When this brook is gone, I have no water. Uh, now, you and I can go without food for quite a while, right? But without water, how long can you last? Is it three days? All right, I don't remember all my facts here. But I know you can go for weeks and weeks without food. But you can't go very long without water. And he's watching here. It's an uncomfortable situation. But he's an unmovable servant. He's just going to wait on God. God, I'm, I'm waiting for your marching orders. You led me here clearly by your word to Cherith. And 
I'm waiting to hear on what you have next. So from the uncomfortable situation, the unmovable servant, we see an unexpected supply. Uh, Notice how God's word comes again in verse 8. And the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Arise, get thee to Zarephath, which belongeth to Zidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. Unexpected supply. Can I tell you something? In my Christian life, as, uh, you know, there have been times where it just seems like I'm, I'm right there at Cherith. I'm watching a brook dry up. I'm not sure what the next step is. I'm really a little bit anxious, all right? Uh, I'm, I'm watching day by day something that was uh, such a help and such a blessing for so long. And now, all of a sudden, it's just I mean, just a little trickle, and, and uh, you know, you're getting on all fours, and you're trying to get just a little bit here to drink, and, and you know it won't be long before that brook will be totally gone. And in your heart, you're anxious. Now, let me tell you something. It's in those moments that God has an unexpected supply. If you'll just trust Him, if you'll just allow His Word to have that authority in your life, that God's word desires to have. When, when was the last time in crisis you just open up the word of God and say, God, I need you to speak to me. God, I'm uncomfortable. God, I don't want to move from this place. I, I want to be at Cherith. I want to know the direction that you have for me. The brook is drying up. And I'm not sure what my next step ought to be. Can I tell you, God will let you know. He'll help you. He'll guide you. He, he, he'll, he will direct your steps. Uh, oh, how God cannot fail. He will not fail. And yet we have to wait on his directive. This unexpected supply. It comes seemingly out of nowhere. And, and it may not be the, the thing you expected. Ravens, not the expectation. A widow, not my expectation. But Uh, God's just trying to teach us to depend on his word no matter what it might look like, all right, with our human eyes. Uh, God will be true to his word. And so now in chapter 18, he's got to do the most difficult thing up to this point, and that's present yourself to Ahab. You know, it's one thing to follow God's direction to go to a brook, all right? I kind of, you know, if he, he likes being alone, it'd probably be a wonderful place to be. Let God minister to his heart. And then when God said, go to Zarephath, there's a widow, widow, widow woman. Get that out. Say that three times fast. Uh, and, and she's going to take care of you. And as he left, uh, now he's ministering not to one. He's ministering to several. And God's using him in a little bigger way. And, uh, and here's here the, the, the gal. You know the story. She's just kind of collecting some sticks she wants to make her last meal and feed it to her boy and herself and die. I mean, that's how destitute this woman was. And yet God was going to do a miracle in her life. Uh, and uh, she just trusted the Lord. And, and uh, God said, listen, make this, make this fella a meal. I'll take care of you. And by the way, the promise is clear. And she She just acted upon the promise, and God came through. Listen, you just rest on the promises of God. God will come through. 
And so now again, it's the priority of the Word of God where he has to do the tough thing of presenting himself before Ahab. Uh, Do you know right now that Ahab has men scouring all over the countryside looking for Elijah because he's blaming Elijah for this three and a half years of agony that the nations endured? I mean, Ahab and Jezebel have done all they could to find him. And, And we see here that uh, the priority of the Word of God uh, was simply uh, for him to recognize a revelation from the Lord, show thyself. He's instructing him. He's informing him. I'm going to send rain. I'm going to reveal something to you, Elijah. It's time. It's time. This, this uh, drought is going to be over. Our governor announced that this week. The drought is over. And, uh, and uh, Elijah gets to do that as well. He's going to announce, listen, the drought is almost over. The heavens are going to open. The rain's going to come on down. And, and so a revelation from the Lord, God in his word said, this is what's going to happen. And Elijah at this point has walked with God enough to know that if God says it in his word, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. I can trust God's word. What's his response? Notice here, verse number 2. And Elijah went to show himself unto Ahab. We sing that wonderful hymn, Trust and obey, there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. Oh, that we would just come to the place in our life where when God speaks to us through his word, we just trust and we obey. If he leads you to Cherith, trust and obey. If he leads you to Zarephath, trust and obey. If he's leading here to stand before Ahab, trust and obey. The priority here of the word of God, the revelation and the response. I want you to understand this. He was listening to God. And then he was, he was, he was willing to leave Zarephath in search of Ahab. And God can help us as well as God leads us. Number two, let's look at the protection of the prophet of God. The protection of the prophet of God. Not just the priority of God's word, but you know, when you are on God's mission, when you're doing what God desires for you to do and you're following his instruction, let me just tell you something. There's great safety there. There's wonderful protection there. You don't have to be afraid of obeying God's word. And I know we're living in a society where, I mean, the world as a whole is going to look at a lot of the truth that we find in God's word and they're going to mock it and ridicule and make fun of it. Uh, Can I tell you that uh, we're we're heading for a time in this old world uh, where, I mean, for, for not agreeing with wickedness, you're going to be pointed out as odd in this culture. I read something here this week about what's going on in Australia. They're making a big push in the government uh, to present uh, rings. And, and they want you to wear a certain kind of ring that identifies you as one that's sympathetic to the homosexual agenda. And the ring is very obvious because it's an unbroken circle. It has a gap in it. And they, they did that uh, so that you would uh, be marked if you don't wear this ring. 
as one that's not sympathetic to the homosexual agenda. And so in Australia now, you have a government push and celebrity push and and others that are pushing here that everybody needs to uh, get on board. It's not just the homosexual lifestyle needs to be allowed, but it needs to be approved of by God's people. It's not enough here that that it's something that is the law of the land. Now the next step is you have to uh, uh, take a stand in favor of the lifestyle. Well, can I tell you, the Word of God is absolutely clear on that issue. It's not your pastor that has an issue here. You know that God loves everyone, including every homosexual, every lesbian, uh, Everyone in this world, the Bible says, for God so loved the world. But you cannot rebel against God's truth and God's purpose and plan for the sanctity of of marriage and think that God is going to look the other way. He loves the world, but he wants you to come to God on his terms, not on your terms. We all come to God as sinners in need of a Savior. But, but think about that here. Now an emphasis here on, uh, on uh, a nation uh, trying to get its citizens to uh, uh, almost uh, come to a place of absolute agreement with this cause. It's, it's, it's a little frightening because we're headed down a road here as a society here where standing for right is going to be ridiculed. It'll be mocked. It'll be made fun of. You know, there are people now that are losing jobs because they're not willing to take a stand. I I read on in that article that because they don't have the ring, they're kind of looked at uh, as far as employment and so on. Oh, you're not with the program. Oh, you may not want to work here. Oh, you may not get that promotion. Unbelievable. Why? Because I have some biblical principles that I live by. It's God's word. I may not understand everything that God says and why God says it. But I trust God. I trust God. So, protection. The protection of the prophet of God. He's going into really the... Uh, the lion's den with Ahab and Jezebel. And he's supposed to present himself. And uh, so we see here this protection of the prophet is seen as there is a remnant that's willing to stand up. Look at verse 3. And Ahab called Obadiah, which was the governor of his house. Now Obadiah feared the Lord greatly. For it was so uh, when Jezebel cut off the prophets of the Lord that Obadiah took a hundred prophets and hid them by 50 in a cave and fed them with bread and water. The protection of the prophet. There, there is a remnant. There are those that are going to stand up for right in, in an evil day. And Ahab uh, could not, uh, I'm sorry, Obadiah could not stand by while Ahab and Jezebel uh, were on a crusade to hunt down all the prophets and exterminate them. He said, I've got to do something. I'm a believer in Jehovah God. These are the prophets of Jehovah God. And so at his own expense, 
He went and he provided here uh, for two groups of 50 prophets to be hid away. And then he provided uh, uh, the nourishment that they needed for this time through these three and a half years. I want you just to think about the sacrifice of Obadiah as he provided a meal for a hundred different individuals over these, these years to save their life. Listen, there is a remnant uh, there is a, a reverence on Obadiah's part here for the, the, the prophet. Look at verse 7. And as Obadiah was in the way, behold, Elijah met him, and he knew him and fell on his face and said, Art thou that, my Lord, Elijah? Verse 13. Was it not told, my Lord, what I did when Jezebel slew the prophets of the Lord, how I hid a hundred men of the Lord's prophets by fifty in a cave and fed them with bread and with water. Yes, there's protection that's available to the, the child of God that is just going to allow the word of God to be the final authority in their life. And God has his Obadiahs that are ready to step up. God does have a remnant uh, we see the reverence uh, of Obadiah here toward Elijah and Elijah's God. And uh, I want us to see here a reassurance. And Elijah said, verse 15, As the Lord of hosts liveth before whom I stand, I will surely show myself unto him today. Obadiah's big fear was, if I go and tell Ahab that you're here and you're not really here, <laughs> my life is as good as gone. And Elijah said, let me reassure you. <laughs> I, I, I've been sent on a mission by God to present myself to Ahab. Until I present myself to Ahab, there's no rain that's coming. And, and so here, God ministers uh, both to Obadiah and to Elijah. Number three, uh, notice the provoking of the people of God. And, and I wish I could take the time to go through the text as it should uh, really, really should, just uh, verse by verse. But when, when we see here in verse number 19, there, there is a call for God's people to gather there at Mount Carmel. Verse 19 says, Now therefore send and gather to me all Israel on the Mount Carmel, and the prophets of Baal, 450, and the prophets of the groves, 400, which eat at Jezebel's table. All right, so how many total prophets are we talking about here? All right. I'm counting 850, all right, 450 of Baal, uh, 400 of the groves. And, and, and Elijah says, listen, we want everybody's invited here to Carmel and all of the nation of Israel. What's he doing? He's trying here to follow, as we're going to see in the text, explicitly the word of God and bring a nation back to a state of revival and, and see rain once again in the land. And so he challenges them. This is under the provoking of the people of God. Notice the challenge in verse 21. And Elijah said unto all the people and said, How long halt you between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. And the people answered him not a word. See, the challenge was clear. Listen. If he really is God, then follow him. If he's not, then don't. But, but he's, he's trying here the best he can uh, to challenge them concerning uh, the state that they find themselves in. And that state is one of complacency. Uh, and and uh, the Bible tells us that at the end of that verse number 21, and the people answered him not a word. 
Now, I don't know if they were just intimidated by the fact there's 850 false prophets. You know, you feel like these are uh, Jezebel spies and they're everywhere. I mean, they've all gathered together. And, uh, and here you are. Do I take a stand? Do I have the courage to stand up for Jehovah God? I, I'm not sure, but there, there is a complacency on their part. There's an apathy on their part where they are not uh, uh, responding one way or the other. And so Elijah proposes a contest. There's a challenge. There's a complacency. And now we see there's a contest. And this contest is between the false gods of Baal and the true God, uh, Jehovah of Israel. And uh, Elijah is simply going to say, listen, let's each build an altar. We'll lay a sacrifice on the altar. Uh, The first God to send down fire from heaven and consume uh, the sacrifice is the one and only true God. So he's provoking. He's challenging. He knows there's a complacency. And so he uh, offers up here this contest between the true God of the world and uh, the false pagan God. Let's go on to number four. I want you to see the persistence of the enemies of God. From verse number 25 on, we get a snapshot here of really these followers of Baal. And I've got to say this. uh, The followers of Baal were much more dedicated than the nation of Israel as a whole. They actually believed in Baal. And, uh, and, and they actually were convinced that their, their God could literally rain uh, a fire down from heaven. And, and their actions here uh, show uh, really this persistence that they have. Uh, there's a cause, verse number 25, and that cause is the honor of Baal. As far as these... False prophets are concerned. It's, it's our God's name that's on the line. And for Elijah, it was uh, his God, Jehovah. There was a confidence that they had. I mean, even to agree to this contest, think about it. The confidence that they had that their God could come through. It's an amazing thing. I mean, just to, just to think that our false gods actually have this kind of power whereby fire could come down from heaven and hit uh, uh, one spot on this planet, and that's where we built this altar to Baal. And so there is uh, a confidence that they have in their false god. And more than a confidence, there's an absolute commitment to this god. I'm going to read the two verses, 25 and 26. And I want you just to get the spirit of these followers, literally of Satan. They're following after Baal. Uh, But it's Satan that's behind the scenes. And Elijah said unto the prophets of Baal, Choose you one bullock for yourselves, and dress it first. For ye are many, and call on the name of your gods, but put no fire under. And they took the bullock, which was given them, and they dressed it and called on the name of Baal from morning even until noon, saying, O Baal, hear us. But there was no voice, nor any that answered, and they leaped upon the altar which was made. That statement's always been astounding to me on the dedication of unbelievers to their uh, false god. Unbelievers of the true God, believers in their false god. 
Think about what they were doing when they leapt upon the altar. What are they asking for? They're asking for fire to come down from Baal to consume the sacrifice. They're climbing on top of the altar. They're laying their own lives down across that altar. What they're saying is, we believe in Baal so much that we're willing to give of our lives Just rain down fire from heaven. That is the commitment of uh, really the enemy this morning. And and I'm just sharing that in in a way of contrast to, folks, where's our commitment as the true believers of God? I wonder if we're a little bit like Israel. You know, a little little apathy. Uh, They answered him not a word. Uh, Be for God or, or be for Baal. Choose. Uh, not committed, not sold out, but here you have these pagans that are absolutely sold out. Listen, we're living in a world where we have pagans that are sold out to, to error, and we need God's people to get sold out to truth. We just need God's people again to say, you know what, I'm standing with God. I'm standing on God's word. I'm allowing God's word to say what God's word says. And as the enemy will be persistent, oh, that God would give us a little bit of that kind of persistence. And then lastly this morning, let's look at the preparing for a miracle from God. Preparing for a miracle from God. I mean, only God could open the heavens. Only God could bring down fire. That's not something that Elijah could conjure up. God has to show up. And, you know, there are some times in our life that really uh, God really, he challenges us to, 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 to really go out on a limb with him so that he can get more glory when he does show up. Everything that happened in this day, the Bible says, happened because Elijah followed uh, the word of God. He, he was just determined that he was going to listen to what God said. Matter of fact, I'm going to read his prayer, end of chapter 17. Hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this people may know that thou art the Lord God and that thou hast turned their heart back again. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice and the wood and the stones and the dust and licked up the altar that was in the trench. Uh, And when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they said, The Lord, He is the God. The Lord, He is the God. Um, I want to read the end of verse number 36 as well. Go back to verse 36. And the Bible says here, and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that thou art God in Israel, and that I am thy servant, and that I have done all these things. Help me. What's the last phrase? At thy word. Everything that transpired in this day transpired because Elijah was just following the orders of God. And God was going to do a miracle. What happens? First of all, there's a confessing of sin. You know, there, there needs to be a time of cleansing. There needs to be time of confessing. And, and you go this afternoon and read here uh, the text. But what we see here is we see uh, a people whose hearts are being turned back to God. 
They will ultimately confess the Lord, he is the God. The Lord, he is the God. There's a confession. There's a confidence. There's a confidence in God that God is able. This is, this is Elijah as he recognizes that I am so confident in my God that I'm going to make this a little tougher for my God. Uh, you're putting dry wood there on your sacrifice. I'd like a couple barrels of water to be drenched on my sacrifice. Because I want you to see that this is not about Elijah. This is all about Elijah's God. And so bring on the barrels of water and just pour it over the sacrifice and pour it over the wood and fill the trench and let's see what my God is able to do. Oh, the confidence that Elijah has in his God. He, he has a call to prayer, this confession The confidence, the call to prayer. We read the prayer, verse 36 and verse 37. It's a very simple prayer. Hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this people may know that thou art the Lord God and that thou hast turned their heart back again. Listen, they're they're confessing. They're repenting. They're turning back as a nation. They recognize that there is a true God. They've watched the false prophets of Baal do their best uh, to, to, to get their false God to rain down fire, but to no avail. And now the simple prayer of Elijah is, God, all right, it's time for you to work. They've made void thy law. God, you work. And when that little prayer of verse 36 and verse 37 is prayed, notice God's answer in verse 38. Then the fire of the Lord fell, consumed the burnt sacrifice and the wood and the stones and the dust and licked up the water that was in the trench. God showed up. Listen. And I don't want to say this lightly, but you know, once in a while there's all of us here that are put in a position where God has to show up. And I wonder if we are willing to pay the price to see God show up. Where's your faith? That's the confidence that Elijah had. How about the confession of sin? How about here just calling out to God in prayer? recognizing that it's not about Elijah, it's about God and God's people turning back to him. And God answered and sends a consuming fire. A consuming fire. Now the people are confessing as well. Verse number 39. There's a cleansing of the land. It's not one of your points, but you'll see in verse 40. Uh, all of the false prophets are brought there to the, uh, to the, the, the little uh, uh, creek there, Kishon, the brook. And they were slain there, a picture of the cleansing that takes place in the land. And, and then what happens? The cloud with rain. You know, it's a marvelous, marvelous thing as you begin reading verse number 43. And he said to his servant, go up now. Look toward the sea, and he went up and looked and said, There is nothing. And he said, Go again seven times. The faith of Elijah, he's looking out on the horizon, there's not one cloud anywhere to be seen. And yet God made a promise. God says, I'm going to send rain. Present yourself to Ahab. I'm going to send rain. 
And Elijah believed God. And when the work of, of, of confession took place and the work of cleansing took place, now a prayer has gone up to the throne room of God. And as that prayer went up, there's an expectation here that God is just going to fulfill his word. He said it. He's going to do it. And so they're looking for a cloud. And he says, listen, go again seven times. Verse 44, and it came to pass at the seventh time that he said, Behold, there riseth a little cloud out of the sea like a man's hand. And he said, Go up, say unto Ahab, Prepare the chariot and get thee down that the rain stop thee not. <laughs> Master, I think I see a cloud. It's, it's a little cloud. It's like the size of a man's hand. It's out on the horizon. I see it. And he says, you better warn Ahab. He doesn't want to get stuck in this mess. Tell him to get in his chariot and get on home. The storm's coming. And the Bible tells us here, verse 44, and it came to pass at the seventh time that he said, Behold, there riseth a little cloud out of the sea like a man's hand. And he said, Go up, say unto Ahab, Prepare thy chariot. Verse 45, And it came to pass in the meanwhile of the heaven was black with clouds and wind. And Ahab rode and went to Jezreel, and the hand of the Lord was on Elijah, and he girded up his loins and ran before Ahab to the entrance of Jezreel. A cloud with rain. A picture again of God's blessing on the land. I don't know what miracle that you need in your life here this morning, but can I tell you, that in Elijah's life there was a preparing that took place and he saw the rain. Prepper, Elijah, what was he doing? He was preparing at Cherith. He was preparing at Zarephath. He was preparing as he presented himself before Ahab. He, he was preparing for God to, to rend the heavens as he built that altar and uh, as he challenged here the people of God to turn their hearts back to God. And we see as he prepared, God did the miraculous. God's still in the miracle working business. He is. And all oh, that we would just take to heart some of the truth that's wrapped up in the story and let God uh, do that in our lives. Thank you for listening to this message brought to you by the teaching and preaching ministry of Crown Point Baptist Church. If this message was a blessing to you, please consider leaving us a review or sharing the message on social media. Thanks once again for tuning in.